Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 53. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier on in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at bdraymond on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at networknerd underscore. Hey Nick, how's it going? John, I'm doing great. I've just consumed a large cup of coffee as usual. But to let the listeners know, we are VMware Solution Engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. Uh, I like our uh, our choices that we're making. We're making strong choices when it comes to uh, doing that intro. Absolutely, trying to. Yeah, we we had some fun before we hit record. We were both kind of in awe looking at Adrian Cockcroft's book recommendation list on Amazon that I got from DevOps Days Dallas. Kind of made me want to order all those on the Audible as soon as possible. But yeah, uh, I, don't, I only only have six credits. Yeah, I only get two a month, and that seems to be okay. I mean, I don't want to pay any more than I already am to listen to more books. If I could get unlimited books for the same price, I would totally do it. <laughs> it's it's always interesting to look at somebody's uh, reading list. It's like I'm always scared for people to look at my bookshelf because it's like showing them what my brain looks like. I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the thing that's shaped my thinking the most is the books that I've read. Um, and I guess the people that I've been around. So, you know, it's, it's just such a, a big, uh, big thing. And it's, it's fascinating to see somebody else's bookshelf. Sometimes when I visit somebody like the first 30 minutes, uh, it's very difficult to resist spending the first 30 minutes, like just looking at their bookshelves. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, these books can uh, change your mindset in what we might call unexpected ways. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely. Um, I saw an interview with Mike Tyson, of all people, and he was, I think, just getting out of prison. And he said, you have to be careful what you read because those ideas get inside you. And I laughed at the time. But the older I get, the more I think that that's very, very true. Like, like. You know, you can be convinced and change as a person based on the power of the written word, you know. So anyway, let's uh, get to our topic today. Um, We are talking about preparing for unexpected career opportunities. And in true nerd journey fashion, this is going to be part one of we're not sure how many, two, maybe three episodes. So um, this is kind of how we're going to structure it. We're going to talk about the things that you need to do to be ready namely uh, keeping your resume current and keeping your network healthy. And then uh, the actual, you know, different scenarios that you would uh, see for uh, unexpected uh, opportunities and, um, and then how to prepare for each. Like, uh, I think we're probably going to spend more time on one of them than the others. But um, ultimately, that is the structure for today. Sound good? Sounds great. Let's do it. Excellent. So the first point that we're going to talk about getting in the routine of keeping your resume current. Um, I think that we've talked a lot about this uh, before, the idea of the kitchen sink resume, which is kind of everything that you've done over your entire career. Um, 
And I think that it's really important to go back and add to that on a regular basis, especially when major uh, milestones have been accomplished and you have something important to add, right? But that's that is kind of like, you know, a lot, you know, more than, than people might think. If you take on a project, um, you know, just hitting a milestone in a project, you know, you probably want to add that um, milestone hit, you know, to your resume. Um, if you, you know, finish a project, if you accomplish something major, um, if you win an award, you know, all of those things should probably go into that kitchen sink resume. They're not always relevant to every job that you apply for or every job that you want, but you know, there's enough different careers out there and different jobs that you probably could do that, you know, having each of those things in the kitchen sink resume is really important to then tune for that job specific resume, you know, that you turn in. I don't know if that makes sense to you, Nick. It absolutely does. And I, I think that a lot of people are doing this a little bit already, except they may wait until right before their yearly review, which we sometimes associate or don't associate with the pay raise to say, here are all the things I accomplished. You may not have been keeping track of them real well along the way. I know that's happened to me a number of times. What did I accomplish this year? What did I accomplish this quarter? You know, why haven't I been tracking it like I should? Yeah, yeah, that makes absolute sense. Uh, and it's it's an easy trap to fall into. Um, so actually, I have some specific advice about that. And that is kind of like a, an annual goal setting exercise. Um, your company may or may not have like an official way to like set professional goals um, for your job, or, you know, for job functions, or just, you know, maybe like, um, peripherally related job functions. Um, so you know, regardless of whether there's an official like company supported way to do this, you should do this and write it down, record the different things that you want to do. For example, um, you know, I take part in the VMware Communities Roundtable podcast. So I actually have, you know, a goal of um, doing that and then bringing back a certain number of ideas from that podcast to the, the sales team as a whole that I belong to. So um, you know, I do that. And then, you know, I also have like a goal of going out and reaching out to uh, community members um, a certain number of times a year, and then maybe going on recruiting trips a certain number of times a year. So each one of those things is peripherally related. Um, it's not directly jo job related. Obviously, you know, my main job metrics are already being mentioned, uh, measured. So I, I have these like goals of these other things that I want to do. And they're just ideas, right? It could be things that, you know, come up later on and I say, oh, this should be something that I measure, you know, the frequency that I'm doing this. So then I'll just add it to kind of my annual goals. Or if there's something that just falls by the wayside or, or doesn't seem that important, then I'll take that off. Um, so anyway, you have those things, kind of goals that you can revisit on a monthly basis, for example, and say, well, what have I done, you know, to meet some of these goals? And so you can immediately have ideas about things that you should add to your resume. So, um, you know, that's, that's one way to do it. So don't go into it now, but let's write this down. Future topic, the process that you use to set those goals, how much input you got from your manager, all those things for a future topic. And everybody out there who's listening, hold us accountable for doing that. So just move on to the next point. Absolutely. So goal setting as a future topic. 
Terrific. Yeah. So um, each one of those things, you know, as you write it down within and update your resume, you know, try to try to have that as a metric and then uh, as a measurement, you know, so I wanted to do this thing. Um, I was able to do it, you know, five times in calendar year 2019, um, you know, to this effect. Right. So have a metric, have something that was measurable about it and then a measurable effect. Um, that's, you know, kind of good goal setting, right? So um, because you have those things and you, you know, you have them, those goals and you have them recorded, you have at least, you know, some beginnings of ideas of things that you can update your resume with. Now, other things might come up and as they come up, you should just, you know, have like a, a quick and easy way to record them and then, you know, kind of do that on a monthly basis or, you know, bi-weekly basis, whatever is, is more comfortable for you. But what it shouldn't be is an annual basis, right? At the very least, you should be doing these updates within your resume or, you know, whatever record system you have and then validating them with your immediate uh, manager. So your manager knows the things that you're doing, how they, you know, you've set these goals and how you've accomplished them throughout the year. So that is, you know, a great process for the annual review process because you've been talking about them, at, you know, at the very least 12 times since your last annual review. So when you do that annual review, it, you know, nothing's a surprise, right? And it serves this like actual primary goal of keeping your um, kitchen sink resume up to date just in case you have one of these unexpected career opportunities. So um, I think we kind of touched on the idea of frequency of updates. Um, I, I would say at least monthly. Um, if you let it go longer than a month, then you know, things just, you know, leave your brain, right? So I, I try to kind of do like a, a weekly wrap up, you know, the stuff that I've accomplished in any given week, um, jot some notes down, um, you know, I don't need to do that update every week, but you know, I, I have a record of the things that I feel like I've accomplished. And then at least once a month, I actually look at my goals and see what in those notes correlated to those goals, or if I need to add a new goal or just have a point that's outside of those initial goals. And how long does that normally take you, John, per week or per month? I assume it's fairly short, right? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about maximum of an hour a month. Okay. Right? Yeah, because you don't need to have it in perfect resume language. It's like, here is the goal. Here's what I did towards it. You know, that point where you actually need to translate it into an official resume entry that is specific to a job, you can spend some time editing it at that point, right? But at least you have that information in your kitchen sink resume. So that's that's the goal is to have that information at your fingertips for the um, unexpected opportunity. So, and um, oh, sorry, and back that resume up in several places. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you, you don't want to ever lose that. And, and actually to that point, you know, you probably want to do something like, you know, keeping that in kind of resume language, like maybe on that monthly basis, uh, translating that to uh, a new LinkedIn entry, you know, maybe once a quarter. So maybe you don't have to edit your language, you know, except for that quarterly LinkedIn update. Um, so you're constantly refreshing things, um, you know, to your kind of public facing version of your kitchen sink resume, which is LinkedIn. So do I go in private mode on LinkedIn when I'm making these updates or just leave it for the world to see, oh, congratulations, you changed something? 
<laughs> yeah, I think it's it's just um, polite for your network to not have them notified of updates that you make to your resume. I mean, if you want to announce like a major uh, job title change, like if you got promoted, you know, to a senior version, or if you're actually changing like a major job role within the organization that you have, and, and you kind of want your network to know about that. I mean, that's a, a good way to, to keep in touch with your network, right? See who's paying attention, or who actually sees those updates, then then that's a, that's a, that's a good time. But you know, having like a milestone and a project that you hit, you know, with a measurable output, like not everybody in your network needs to see that. That's probably only important to recruiters and they're going to find your resume based on keywords and searches, not based on being in your network. So, right. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, announcements on LinkedIn, if you haven't seen John's LinkedIn about being the owner of the John White School of Mentoring, he absolutely is. And if you haven't signed up, send that tweet out to at Nerd Journey today for pricing and packaging, and I'll make sure that you get some of John's time to make your career even better. Man, oh man, I just, just I can imagine that leading to disappointment so so very very quickly. <laughs> so um, another point here about you know keeping things uh, up to date, um, I think. Another thing that you probably need to keep up to date is what it is that you want in a work environment and a company that you want to work for, right? So this isn't exactly resume and it's not public facing. It's more of an internal introspection. Um, you know, for example, I, I've said this probably a bunch of times on the podcast, but I, I want a work environment where there's smart people who think differently than I think, right? So I can get different perspectives. Um, I want an employer with a continuing focus on the long-term best interests of the employee, like, um, and have that reflected in, in a learning environment and having a healthy career trajectory, um, good management oversight, you know, um, encouraging management, and then, you know, compelling solutions to business problems, you know, being a pre-sales technical engineer, right? So you, you always want, you know, interesting products and products that customers are interested in. So, so that's kind of my list of, of things that I want, you know, and only one of those was actually role related. Um, so probably I could, you know, find like a compelling um, non-role related, you know, something that's not immediately related to my job that had, you know, two of those, the other two things, you know, that maybe I found extremely interesting. So, and I would, I'd, you know, maybe take a, a healthy look at that. Um, so, you know, again, what's important is decide what it is that you're looking for. Um, and you don't need to be looking. It's just, you know, what is the metric that you're using to decide whether, you know, the organization that you're at is the organization that you want to be. And then if you had to improve something, what were the things that you would need to improve? And if the, and if you really enjoy working at the company that you're working at or the organization that you're at, what are the things that you enjoy about that? Like, let just make sure that you have like a concrete example of, you know, something that makes you happy about that place, because that's a descriptor that, you know, if you ever have to leave is something that you can say, oh, I'm looking for this, you know, I enjoyed it about, you know, organization A. So when I, you know, am evaluating organizations B, C, and D, you know, one of the, the things that I'm evaluating them by are, you know, this thing that I really enjoyed about uh, organization A. 
be that the amount of, you know, for some people, it's the amount of socialization that you do with your coworkers outside of the organization. If you really, really enjoy that and you're evaluating other organizations and they don't seem to do that, then maybe that's a strike against them. Um, you know, again, for me, it, it was like, you know, really smart people who, you know, are willing to challenge me and, and think differently than I. And if I'm not finding that, then maybe I better find something else that, that I really enjoy about that place. Right. So, um, you know, that's the kind of thinking that you need to do. And I think that we've talked about that before, right. Um, evaluating, I think it was, uh, one to say no. I think we talked about that. Um, when to say no to uh, like a, a job offer or something like that. Reasons um, to walk away. Episode yeah. 16 and 17. Man, Nick, you're a machine. Uh, it also reminded me of the area of destiny episode where you decide what you really enjoy and the market for it and the intersection of those two. I think that framework's really good, John. And I think it could be a good way for you to also decide how you might want to spend some of your own time to fill skills gaps, learn new things kind of like Amanda Blevins advice that we talked about in a previous episode. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really, really good point. Um, and some of the things that, you know, if think about, if you, if you think about things that you like about your company or organization, think about whether those are things that you could do without at a new organization, if you were able to supplement it in your personal life. So for example, that example I gave about, you know, really enjoying socializing with your coworkers outside of the work environment, you know, is that something that you could uh, do without if you were able to supplement it with additional socialization outside of your work environment through maybe a, a club that you pick up or, um, you know, a church organization or, you know, so, some kind of hobby, right? So, you know, it, is it really important that that's in your work environment? And, and sometimes the answer is yes, and that's fine. You just need to, you know, evaluate it, ask the question and then get an answer and then move on. So that's kind of uh, my take on that. Make sure that you know what it is that you're looking for or what it is that you like in, in a really like intellectual way, as opposed to just a, you know, overall, I'm happy that I don't know why. Right. So, um, yeah, comparison to your current job and contrasting with your current job, you know, um, so then, you know, imagine, you know, you have some kind of uh, um, unexpected op opportunity that pops up, you know, that now you have a way to evaluate it and the, and the way that you can uh, compare, you know, to what it is that you like and contrast um, with the things that you might or might not like about that. So anyway, like that, that's kind of, you know, my exploration of that, you know, knowing what it is that you want what it is that you like and don't like about where you are now and what you would like to see in a new place. So moving on from that, we have this point about making sure that you keep your network healthy. And, and when I say that, I mean your professional network, um, not, uh, not your, uh, your IT network, although that's important too, especially if that's your job. Um, but keeping your professional network healthy is, is really important because, um, these are the people who are going to have leads for you if you need to make a change, right? Or if, you know, they might know unexpected opportunities that you're, you would be perfect for um, that you don't have access to, you know, they have access to it and they think of you, right? Because of your connection with them. So I think, you know, the, 
you know, how to have a healthy network is, is a whole separate topic probably in and of itself. But, um, you know, I kind of fall back on the manager tools, um, uh, motto and, uh, and methodology, which is like add indiscriminately, just, you know, grow your network, the people that you meet, you know, add them to your network. Um, and then keep that network, you know, refreshed, check in with the people, um, your link, LinkedIn contacts, people that you've met in person that maybe aren't on LinkedIn, but are connected to you, um, through whatever professional resources that, you know, you, you met them through and then, you know, um, give, give back to your network, ask those people what you can do to help them. Um, you know, that's, that's something most people think about a network as something that they lean on in times of need, but really what you need to do is be in a position to offer help to those people, even if it's just advice or, you know, a third party opinion on, on a situation that they're in. Um, and, uh, you know, our referrals, if, if you think of something that's important, uh, for them, because when you do need to, you know, lean on that network, um, you want to be known throughout that network as, as somebody who, who helps, right. And then people will fall all over themselves to help you. And that's, I think, uh, an important lesson to learn. And I will say that as your network grows, it's, <clears throat> it's harder to keep in touch with everybody like you might want to, but you really do want to make sure that your sphere of influence is, is going into a lot of different groups outside of just your normal, maybe what you do today, put it, put that, uh, cast that net out into social circles and industries that maybe you're not a part of today, just to get better connected. The more people you can meet and help, as you said, the more it can potentially help you. So you know, we might think of it as kind of a symbiotic type relationship, but it the more you, you are giving to other people out there and known as someone who is helpful, the better it's going to be for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I actually take, you know, actual joy in helping people or, you know, providing them, you know, emotional support if that's what they need in that specific situation or advice or, or whatever it is like, Hey, you know, I can take a look at, you know, the company I'm working at and see if we have that kind of opportunity here. Um, and I really like your point about multiple different kinds of networks, right? If you only have a professional network of people that have your exact same job title or, you know, one type of job, uh, say you're a networking professional and you only network with other networking professionals, you know, that's a confusing example. Maybe I should depict something different, but you know, the, there's a weakness there, right? You might have job skills that translate to something else like security or, 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 you know, anything else like things that you can't imagine, um, you know, uh, that, that somebody else thinks of and says, you know, that's interesting. You know, uh, you know, this guy has this, uh, you know, suite of skills that, you know, he's mentioned to me and that have come up in discussions and he's offered me advice. And now I, I know that there's this role that's opened up and, and maybe like, you know, he or she would be perfect for it, but you know, I, they just never might've thought of it. They, and, and, and so you just need to have like an extended, uh, you know, multiple different kinds of networks and, and multiple different levels as well, right. From executive to individual contributor to middle management, because all of those things help, you know, it's a wider net. So that's kind of the summary there, right? Keep your network healthy. Um, 
So let's talk about you know the types of unexpected career opportunities that that can come up. Um, you know, some of them are positive, some of them not so much. Um, you know, the first one is kind of the the kind of uh, you know granddaddy, which is involuntary separation, or you got fired, or the company went out of business. You know, all of those types of things. Like you had a job, and suddenly you don't. Um, this is kind of the worst case scenario, and you know, hopefully we don't spend a lot of time worrying about this, but being prepared um, for a, you know any kind of uh, um, possibility is, is always the best kind of insurance, right? It's not like you need to have a job offer in your pocket all the time, um, but just being prepared with you know your resume ready to go, um, you know the types of uh, places that you would like to work, you know ready to go, all that preparation that we just talked about, if an involuntary separation comes up and, you know, the company says, hey, you have 30 days to find a new job inside our organization, here's a, a list, um, or, hey, you know, your entire division's being laid off, there's no jobs inside the company that you qualify for, you know, here's here's a separation, you know, hopefully, and, uh, and uh, good luck. Um, you know, again, worst case scenario. Well, you're ahead of the game, right? Because you you have a healthy network, hopefully, and you're ready with a kitchen sink resume and the types of jobs that you'd like to apply for and the types of organizations that you'd like to work for. So you've done all this work ahead of time and you're ahead of the game, like as opposed to the people who don't have a resume ready, who don't know what they'd like to do or the kinds of places that they'd like to work. So they're, you're going to be... 12 hours, 48 hours ahead of all of those people in applying for jobs and, and grabbing the opportunities that are out there. And you're so, going to be less stressed out. Much, much Because that's less. just more pressure on you. You know, you're in a bad situation already, and then your brain is Swiss cheese with all this emotional trauma. And you now have to remember, okay, what have I done in the last three years at this company that I can put on a resume that makes me marketable? That That's a it exactly in a nutshell right so because you've done all that work ahead of time um when you have a phone screen you're going to be a lot less stressed and not unstressed because it's a stressful situation but imagine how much more stress you could be under if you had to scramble to get a resume together if you had to scramble to figure out where it is that you would want to apply you know the types of companies the types of organizations and, and how to filter out the ones that you wouldn't want to work for you know so instead of shotgunning 40 um you know applications out there you were able to target like the the five organizations and jobs that you actually wanted to do so you're much more focused and you have you know a lot more attention to spend on the, the five opportunities. I want to add two things. So if you haven't listened to the John Hildebrand episodes, episode 37 and 38, go listen to those because he talks about an unexpected layoff and, and what happened to him, which is a fantastic story. And I would say, you know, from a financial perspective, hopefully no matter what job you have, you're living within your means and you have some savings built up to hopefully supplement if the worst happened and you lost your job for a little while. Yeah, I, I think that maybe we missed that in the uh, the preparation, right? Like that's a, another point that you should uh, keep in mind for preparation. Um, live within your means. Um, save up an emergency fund. You know that'll cover. I don't know nine months. You know is is that too much? A year? 
um, three to six minimum, if you can minimum. Yeah. And, and I know that's difficult, right? Um, we're all under pressure, but you know, you do the best you can to remove as much pressure as you can in the moment. And, uh, you know, of course that means, you know, paying down credit card bills, you know, hopefully, um, that's not something, you know, uh, that's not a problem for you. And if it is, then, you know, you handle that problem first. Um, but then, you know, you start saving up that emergency fund. So, um, the second, you know, issue that is maybe a little bit related is, uh, something starts, you know, pushes you to start looking and, and sometimes that's just the threat of an involuntary separation. Right. You hear that the company's, you know, starting to be a little bit unstable. You hear that, you know, maybe things aren't going well. Um, you hear it in the news, you see it in the results around you, and that starts to be a stressor. So, you know, you start to look around. And if you've done all this work, again, that looking around is going to be so much easier. You already know the types of organizations that you want to look at. You already know the types of positions that you want to evaluate and, and, again it's that much easier you can filter down from 40 uh applications to you know five and uh in the way that we're recommending that you you do applications where you create a customized resume for each position i mean 40 you know an application a day that takes a long time yeah believe me i i've done that so um that uh idea of you know being pushed right in that direction uh, and it doesn't have to be that the that uh you know you have a looming threat of an involuntary separation sometimes you know things just go bad like maybe um you get a new manager that you don't get along with you know fortunately i've never had to to deal with that kind of thing i've had you know kind of universally great managers at the the position that i've had um but maybe you have a coworker um that you you're having problems dealing with um maybe you have uh you know a subordinate that you know is a, a thorn in your side or um somebody on an extended team um if you're in a customer facing position a customer that you just it's too painful to deal with and and you know for whatever reason maybe it's your emotional state maybe it's personal reasons um you know any of these things can kind of push you to start looking for a different position and uh so that's kind of the second case and and i think a lot of the things that we just talked about for involuntary separation are true, you're just a little bit less stressed, right? You don't have to leave your position before you start looking. You can be a little bit more selective. You can be a little bit um, less time sensitive because there's less financial pressure. Um, maybe there's more emotional pressure, you know, um, but there's less financial pressure. Yeah, and the best time to, to look is when you already have a position. So uh, keep that in mind. And then the last case that we're probably going to spend the most time on is unsolicited contact. Um, so that means like you're, you know, hopefully you're on LinkedIn and a recruiter reaches out to you. It's not something that you were looking for. You're maybe you're happy with the position that you have and, and somebody just reaches out and says, Hey, you know, what would it take for you to consider a different position? You know, we have an exciting new company here. That's, that's doing exciting things and, and we'd love you to join or usually it's, we'd love you to apply for a position. <laughs> we have this six month contract that's perfect for you based on your LinkedIn profile. It's a, uh, it's a uh, monitoring printers and changing backup tapes. <laughs> so there's a lot of bad, uh, LinkedIn, uh, position, unsolicited LinkedIn positions that, that come in, but you know, um, 
maybe there's some uh, nuggets of gold, you know, in with the sand, right? And and something interesting does come up. And again, you've done your work, you know, the type of company that you'd be interested in working for, and you know, the type of position, um, you know, uh, maybe not the specific title, but the, the type of, uh, you know, the general category of position, whether it's customer facing or not customer facing, whether it's educational or not educational, whether it's, you know, um, um, you know, advocacy or, or not being an ad advocate. Maybe it's, a, you know, a sales position or not a sales position. You know, like, again, each of those categories you, you've kind of figured out. So, um, you know, you've done that work ahead of time and, and here you are, like something's come along, right? So now, um, you know, comes in via email or, you know, whatever source. Um, so the first question is, you know, should you respond at all, right? Um, and and I think like there's some work that you have to do there. Um, is it actually an interesting position, right? So you have all your criteria in front of you. Now you get to filter this opportunity by that criteria. And usually it's in, it's the vast majority of times it's no, right? That there's some just things that are, um, you know, critically important to you. Like, you know, you want maybe a, you definitely want to work for a startup or you definitely don't want to work for a startup. Right. So when somebody contacts with your, you know, with a, with a job opportunity, you know, there's a, an easy yes, no, based just on that. Um, maybe it's just not within your skill set. I, I don't know how many times I've gotten um, unsolicited opportunities that have to do with like uh, security. And I'm thinking to myself, my background isn't in security. I don't have a security certification. Um, I'm, interested in maybe learning more about that field but you know am i going to leave like a job that i really love for an industry that i don't really know like that probably not you know that that it would have to be pretty pretty compelling opportunity right so uh you know it's it's just kind of an odd match right like why why are they contacting me about this so you know there's there's a lot of things that you need to uh, take into account there. Um, you know, why are they reaching out to you, right? Is it like a gross filter that like they just happen to, you know, hit like a, you know, keyword in your title or in your job description and, you know, it's an obvious mismatch and they're just not very good at their job of searching for qualified candidates, then, you know, then it's a clear no. But, it, you know, for, for whatever reason, if it's a very, very good match and something that you're interested in, you know, then you need to, you know, evaluate it at that point. You know, you want to, there's a couple things I think that we have down in our notes, you know, being polite, be courteous. Generally, I respond, even, even if it's a no, um, you know, there's different opinions on that. Hey, it's, uh, I'm not looking right now and uh, it seems to be outside of my area of expertise. So I'll keep an eye out if there's anybody I think that there might be a match, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, because you never know when that person may come back to you. Oh, that person was really polite. I'm going to tell them about other things. And the next one could be something that's really interesting. And just because it's really interesting doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a job you would take. It's just, oh, you might be open to talking about it. Right, right. Or, you know, that person is very clear about the types of things that they are looking for. Um so maybe the next question is, well, what are you looking for? Because, you know, at my recruitment firm, we um, maintain relationships with a bunch of different positions. And, you know, if there's something specific that you're looking for, then maybe we do represent that. And if you have, if you know, then 
at least, you know, does it hurt to tell them? You're not saying, hey, I want to be exclusively represented by you as a as a recruiter. You're saying, well, these are the types of things that I'd probably be interested in. And they can decide, okay, well, we actually represent that kind of firm or not, right? And then they can tell you that. It's just clear and open communication. There's, there's other types of um, uh, sources for these uh, types of uh, opportunities as well, like a, a friend or, you know, your extended network, or a peer in the industry. Um, so, you know, maybe they reach out to you and say, hey, you know, I remember you were talking about this and I heard about this type of opportunity over here. You know, would you be interested in me putting you in touch with that person? And, and again, like you have to do that same type of evaluation. Why are they reaching out to you? Um, is it somebody that you know well? Is it, you know, sometimes people will leverage their extended network and say, hey, can you provide an introduction to this person, you know, via LinkedIn, um, you know, because I have an exciting opportunity. So, you know, you have to figure out, is that somebody that you actually know? Um, did somebody ask you to reach out to me? You know, like you, you have to evaluate this contact, evaluate how, how well you know them and and just kind of make a judgment there, right? And sometimes you can just be open and honest and say, hey, you know, I'm really only looking for, I, I really only listen for this kind of position, you know, at this level of seniority at this type of company. Do you think that it's something to do with one of those things? You know, why Why are you thinking that it might be interesting to me? And, and you know, that, that will usually elicit, oh, it's, you know, somebody asked me to ask you. So actually, I don't know any of those things. Well, you still might want to listen, but you know, the, the chances like go to go way down. Right. So, so fun story here, John, uh, I had someone contact me a couple of years ago or a few years ago now, and he was looking for someone to come and work for him. Mm -hmm. Guy I knew. And I told him I'd give him a call, I called him and he was telling me about the job and I don't think I know anybody. And by the end of the conversation, he's like, well, why don't you send me your resume? <laughs> All right. And it just, I mean, it was interesting enough and mm -hmm. ended up getting a job out of it. Oh, nice. A, a really good job. So, <laughs> so sometimes that happens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, the thing that I always like warn people about, you know, because people don't know is sometimes there's like really unscrupulous uh, recruitment agency out there and they'll, they'll tell you that they have a position to fill that, you know, they've already vetted your LinkedIn you know, profile and you're kind of perfect, but they need a number of references from your network to kind of vouch for you um, before they'll even talk about this, right? That is a scam, right? And let me tell you the kind of scam it is. It's it's a, a recruiter who's trying to fill out, um, a, like expand like exponentially a network of people that they can represent. Um, so they're just trying to mine your uh, your network for people that you know you think are good, um, so that they can then turn around and represent those people, and then they'll do the same thing to those people. You tell me three people, you know. So, so that's what that's about. If someone says, "Hey, I have the perfect opportunity for you," it, and it, it's, it's going to be probably a quite hefty uh, uh, raise, but I need three references before I'll even tell you about it. That's what the scam is, because it, it sounds like a scam, right? That's what the scam is. So just in case you've never run into that and nobody's ever told you. That is the timeshare presentation of LinkedIn right there. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. Very unfortunate.
And then, uh, you know, sometimes you, you get an in-person contact, right? You, you stumble across somebody at a conference or a, a networking event or, or what have you, and you have a conversation. And um, as they say, you're in a job interview and you don't even know that you're in a job interview. Um, maybe you have a peer that's mentioned uh, you at, at, a, at the place where they're employed or, you know, a, you know, a friend of theirs and, and, uh, and you actually get like somebody really close to you who really knows what you're doing and the kind of place that, you know, you would like to work, who happens to stumble across one of those things to a really good contact that they have. So, you know, those kinds of things do happen and it's exactly why you have a strong professional network, right? So, um, you know, if you're giving to that network, then those people will think of you as well, right? So um, make sure that you are giving to your network so that uh, your network gives back to you. And if you're in-person networking, don't forget to connect with that person on LinkedIn, just like John would. Even if you're sitting next to him on a plane, in an Uber, at a lunch table, it doesn't matter. Hey, is this you? Yep, absolutely. Connect. Absolutely. I have my no, connect button. I have no shame about reaching out and connecting to that person while while I'm talking to them or while I'm listening to them give a presentation that I think is interesting or um, in any other situation, actually. Hey, yeah, that's somebody who's at the uh, company that I work for who's a VP who's never talked to me. I'll reach out and connect to them anyway. <laughs> uh yeah absolutely you know always expand and and always uh you, you never know what it is that you can do for that person and uh you never know um maybe how they can help you so um nick i think that's uh more time than we actually thought we were going to spend on that topic uh um it's the first part of this uh, conversation um anything pop in your mind before we get out of here close out mm -hmm. No, sir. I think I'll just say to be continued. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at The Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore. Signing off. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>